please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Good evening, Jim. Good evening, David. I didn't know if you knew I was starting. I just figured if I said good evening, you'd figure it out. You know, it, it, it's magical that, that <laughs> people text me. Right as the show's beginning, right? This is, this is my friend Hayden, and he texted me exactly when we started. He wrote, what's up, brother? <laughs> like, me up. Let me... Um, every, every Sunday, he asks me the same question. Yeah. <laughs> I think I I think if Hayden's listening to this, I just want to say, Hayden, do you do that just so you don't have to talk to me? <laughs> I kind of wonder if he's got uh, like a, like a reminder in his phone, like it just uh, pops yeah. up and it's like, hey, message Jim and message okay. Jim. Tell him, tell him that uh, you need to talk to him right now. And, oh. uh, <laughs> that way you don't have to. And um, then you don't have to talk to him one the week later. Uh, um, but let's. Oh God. Why don't I start off? I'll tell the story. Right, and I know yeah. you've got a lot of points you want to talk about, and then we can kind of go back and forth on it. So, yeah, um, there was a guitar heist. Uh, yep. Basically, a gentleman who's a professional mu- musician has been collecting um, custom color '60s to '70s um, offsets, so Mustangs, Jazzmasters, that kind of thing. Uh, he had them all in a storage locker, and the storage locker was ripped off. And how many guitars was it? It was like two hundred. Or something. Yeah, somewhere in the vicinity of 200 guitars. Yeah, it was around 200. It, the, the specifics really aren't that important in this case. But anyway, this is back in the press. Like, this this happened months ago. And it's back in the press now because he did an interview with uh, a guitar shop on their YouTube channel. And that's getting passed around because it's giving more details about what happened. And um, So... I am I am going to interject a little bit of a weigh-in on, on this situation. So, number one is if you've got guitars like this, don't put them in a damn storage locker. Like, what is wrong with you? So, here, here's, here's what happened to this guy. He gets a call from Guitar Center, who, who knows him, and they, and they tell him, Hey, did you sell that, you know, whatever offset? And he said, No. And they said, Well, we've got it sitting right here. And then he goes down to the storage locker and finds another lock on his locker and realizes that he's been just plundered. Um, so he didn't even know. This could have happened a month before. Because, like, we don't know when he goes, how often he goes over the storage locker. It sounds like almost never. He, um, he actually sent a friend. He wasn't even in town. He sent a friend. Yeah. Uh, to, so if, so if you're the friend, okay. you could have just been like, well, there's another lock on here. Yeah, that's what happened. The friend <laughs> said, but there's another lock on there. That's yeah. exactly what happened. Um, um, so <sighs> now the guy, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. He's gotta, doing it. He's doing. He's doing his. I I, I'm going to give a little background on the interview too. So he's doing the interview via Skype in his very posh house. You can tell, like, there it's nicely decorated. The guy's got money. He's got a lot of money, and. Uh, as you know, probably if you've ever had any dealings in the vintage guitar community, if you've ever gone to a vintage guitar show, they all know each other. 
The people that collect this stuff all know one another. So th this was no secret that this guy had, you know, 200 really, really nice guitars in yep. cases somewhere. Now, maybe they yep. didn't know where a storage shed was at, but I bet you could figure that out pretty easily. If you ask the right people, um, wouldn't even be surprised to find out that he hasn't had sh stuff shipped directly there. Um, right. It's just, this This is this is like a scammy, scammy story as it goes on and on, because it's like, okay, so this guy's pleading with the public to report any of his vintage guitars that went missing so that he can get them back. Why? You didn't play them. It's not like you had any real emotional attachment to these other than they were cool. Um, yep. So anyway, Jim, you can you can go off now. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, the why uh, is they were they were being put aside for his retirement. Okay. So we do realize he's got some money. Where he was not like out of town on you know on assignment. He's retired and he was in Cabo. He mentioned he was Cabo. You don't go to Cabo on twenty bucks and a and a whim. You go to Cabo because you've got some cash, unless you work directly for, which is possible, um, for uh, the folks who work for um, uh, what is it, Sammy Hagar, right? Mm -hmm. So um, he's got a place down there, and 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 it's possible that this guy has a place down there. Here's the big thing. Here's these are the things we things we know because he mentioned them. He. Was he got divorced? He was collecting these guitars and he was putting them away. He used to have insurance on them and he took it off. Now, I'm I'm going to say some things afterwards that may or may not be true, but because th these are my my interjections of what I think happened. Okay, but anyway, so he took I'm, the insurance I'm seeing, off. I'm seeing what you're spinning here. I'm seeing what you're putting down. And I'm yeah, I'm like yeah, you get it, you get it, you get it yeah. the same way I get it. Yeah, <laughs> you got. Yeah, she got the gold mine, he got the shaft type thing, but yeah, but maybe he kept some of them, some of the gold. Um, anyway, so uh, um, and there's there's some other uh, facts. He he had a lock on there that he supposedly. Now here's the thing: he was trusting a lock. He goes, "Well, this lock is supposed to be really hard to to cut. This lock won't cut it." Blah blah blah. I used to have insurance. I dropped the insurance. I don't have a list of everything that was in there. But there are enough people that know what I bought over the years who know what I had. So I'm like, you don't even know what you had. And it, and so I get the feeling the reason he doesn't have a list is because he didn't want to have a list. I, get, I a think list, you're absolutely right. You have to tell the lawyer what the list contains and what the value of the list is. Mm -hmm. And divorces can be messy situations and maybe an she didn't saying, know they were sitting in a locker somewhere and she didn't even know he had them there is a very good look guys do this all the time i mean it's come on it's a meme it gets done so often that guys run out and they put all the guitar they're like ooh, sneak in what's the old one uh, buy all the guitars the same color so she doesn't know um you got a new one look if she can count past two she probably knows you have a new one yeah but anyway so um, it just goes to show you how screwed up his relationship with the first wife might have been. Yeah. So he he um uh took the insurance off probably because then he doesn't value valuate lit on a literal sense, not a figurative sense. Um valuate the guitars so that if he can he can straight bald face say to a lawyer, nope, 
I don't have anything of value over X to, you know, give. Because the guy obviously has money. She probably got a lot of money. She, you know, in most divorces, whether we whether we believe or don't believe that she deserved more, she was probably looking for more. And he was able to hide some. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And even and if now, this is the thing, even if now he came out and said, yeah, I do 200 guitars, you could say, yeah, I bought every one of them after divorce. Because he Finalized. doesn't have any proof of sale. And which right. means she would have to go to each of the dealers and ask, and that's just not feasible. Um, right. Here's the deal. So he says he starts collecting in the late 90s yep. in the video, these particular guitars. So $400,000 worth of value here at minimum. At yeah. minimum. That's at the prices he paid originally. Right. Um, so realistically, we're probably close to it, closer to 800 or 800 to a million. Yep. Um, cause the offset prices really started kicking off in, in post 2000. Um, and I, these are not common guitars. These are pretty right. rare pieces. They didn't sell tons of them. Um, I mean, they sold, but like they didn't sell tons of them and these are the custom color versions. So, right. Right. It's probably like early production fender numbers, like trying to get a 57 Strat because there's only a certain amount of them, but it's not 59 right. Les Paul numbers. And no. so that's where yeah. you can kind of put the value be below 10,000 and above 4,000. Yeah. Because if you look at the numbers, you know, um, number one, uh, offsets while being valuable, just like a lot of older guitars, they're not as valuable as some of your others a 54 strat's going to sell for a lot more money than say what was the first year of a, i don't know jaguars well enough but what was it 62 or 64 yeah and, and i've seen those for of, as little as three grand lately so. so and we don't know but we do know that he did a lot of like the collector editions that came out over the years he went and he tracked down all the colors so that he could put away like if they did custom color for say a wildwood color or a cme color whatever he got all those um so he did his due diligence but what he didn't do his due diligence in this is something that we have talked about on this podcast before what the f are you thinking not insuring your stuff. Come on. Yeah, so that's... All right. That's where things get dicey on this story. Yeah, this is... So he admits that he had insurance up until about 2013, and then he did a hard look at his numbers and realized that insurance is costing him a lot of money. Well, then maybe you should have sold the guitars if you couldn't afford the insurance. Like, right. that's the big right. red flag. If you buy a car where you can't afford the insurance, what does the average person do? They start thinking about whether they should have bought that car, Right. They don't cancel the insurance. Right. Um, I scratched my head because I'm like, this is this doesn't make that, any sense. So he's sitting yeah. on four hundred to a million dollars totally uninsured. In yeah. a storage yeah. locker. In which a storage sounds like it's just a climate a controlled storage locker. Right, right. Sto climate controlled storage that has rats, by the way. Yeah, not not Fort Knox. Okay, because he he mentioned they they stole everything, including the rat trap. I'm picturing like you know in the um in the movie uh the the Grinch just stole where he takes everything, yeah, including in the a lights. big in a big bag, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. He did, didn't leave enough of crumb big enough for a mouse. I'm willing to bet because they put their own lock on the door. They probably piecemealed yeah. it out when they took things. They came one day. Right. They took a few guitars. They came another day because yep. it would be less suspicious. Yep. It's if he came and yep. he took them all at once. Um, That's right. And well, they would have needed a big old truck. 
to move all that stuff out where if you could piecemeal them out eight or ten at a time and look 200 guitars let's say let's say 10 at a time let's say 10 that's a lot right Ten's a lot to take out and and try not to get noticed that means even if you did it every other day 10 guitars at a time it took you a month and a half to steal all those guitars right give or take so um you're coming in what is that uh 20, 20 days so yeah every other day yeah month and a half to steal all those guitars and nobody noticed Somebody knew. Somebody, Somebody noticed. Knew. Somebody knew and just turned a blind eye or was paid off. Right. Somebody knew. And I'm willing to bet you that um, they stole that stuff. I, I, I get the feeling the rat trap got missing because somebody accidentally stepped in it. Come on. That was a glue. Mm -hmm. um, but um, come on. It, 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 okay. We're going to – I guess we should talk about our feelings about this kind of thing. And because I, I I have certain feelings about it, and 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 they're my feelings, and I understand they're not other people's feelings. Because recently, I want to talk about a piece of art that sold recently, because this is where we are as a society. Someone bought an invisible statue, mm -hmm. yes, an invisible statue, for eighteen thousand dollars. Okay. There's no such thing as an invisible statue, okay? So, did they buy they did, the NFT of it? They stole no, they stole the air. They they literally had to have a certain truck, a certain size, and a certain container that was shipped in, and then they had to have a place to put it, and had to have this much. This I kid you not, and the certain lighting so that it, you can't see it. Oh come on, come on, so. So, in other words, somebody stole, sold the emperor the new clothes, right? And and we're in a society that's like that, okay? So, and we're not the only ones. Come on, we're not we're not the only society that's like that. And and there's so much hubris and, and uh, uh, greed. But I, I want to take this a step further. Look, their guitars are metal and wood. Who gives a shit, right? Who cares? But when it comes to this, now the guy's crying. For people to help him. Yep. When he did nothing to protect himself. Nothing. I mean, people put their He put bicycles. a good lock on the door, Jim. People take... <laughs> exactly. People take better care of their bicycles at work. You know, when you bring your bicycle to work and you put the lock thing on. You stop, come on. They have locks that... that, that that have the ability to say, "Hey, I got locked it." I have I have an alarm system for this place. There, nobody's coming in here. There's an alarm attendant going. sitting in the place twenty four hours a day who's going to look right. after my million dollars worth of very specialized, no. very climate sensitive stuff in right. my storage locker. Right. In other words, an attendant that gets paid twelve dollars an hour. That's that's why you can never go to Walmart and find those uh, rare Funko Pops because the attendant knows exactly what to what to put aside and to sell on eBay. Okay, right. So you're never going to get them, um, which was the whole Black Friday, the original Black a Friday. It's been uh, a problem for a decade. They do it with right. video game consoles. They do it with Funko yep. Pops. They do it with whatever right. they, whatever is collectible or whatever sells it's, well on eBay gets set aside. 
It started with those freaking Cabbage Patch dolls, and it hasn't stopped since. Um, and the and the point is that um, we we all right. So I, I I get it, but I don't get it. You're putting away these guitars. That is not a great investment to put them away to to guess whether or not they, these are going to be big money in the future. I mean, it's. It's the worst investment you could probably guitars think are of. Ter- guitars are a terrible investment. Yeah. I'm the first person to tell you, if you're buying a guitar thinking it's going to go up in value, roll the dice because you'd have a much better chance at buying some ridiculously uh, underpriced penny stock than you would at buying a guitar because nobody looks at that as an investment. And no. I also have friends who've done the same thing with the firearms world, and it's the same kind of crapshoot. It's the same kind of crapshoot. You're never yep. going to be able to buy a gun and have it go up in value and hold that value the same way that you would another typical investment. The um, guy I bought the double cut from, he he buys guns too. And that was the that's the same thing. I mean, oh, Jim, invest in gold. Invest in gold. You do yeah. realize the reason you invest in gold is because it goes up every year a very small amount. It's supposed to be a hedge against inflation. That's right. all it is. It's That's not right. supposed to actually accumulate you any wealth. Right. Gold, silver, all your all your uh, platinum, all your, uh, uh, what do you call it, metals, your precious metals. This is not investment advice. Diamonds. Don't, don't no. use me as your investment advice, but please. You're better off buying uh, currency, buying and selling currency. And I'm not talking about just digital currency. I have, um, I know people that, that buy and yeah. sell uh, foreign currency all day long. Sa- yeah, same. Um, and that's how they make their living. But my point is that, that so it's a crappy investment. It's a difficult investment. It's an expensive investment to maintain. And that's what this guy didn't, he didn't do well. He didn't insure it. That If you put your, if you took your money, I, I'll get, I'll, I'm going to tell a true story. So I'm going to tell it very quickly. The guy, there was a guy who um, he figured out uh, a game show and he was able to get $65,000 on this game show. It's the one where you go, stop, no whammies. I can't remember what it's called. Joker's Wild. Joker's Wild. He figured out that there was a pattern. He beat the show. He won the most money ever on the show. They um, they found out that he tried to cheat. Um it, or that he f- memorized the patterns, and they said, "Hey, he cheated." They, the and the lawyer said, "No, sorry, you got to pay him. He, you made a pattern. Tough shit." Yeah. So anyway, they gave him the money. What did he do with it? He took the money. Now, what do most people do with sixty-five thousand dollars? And this is like nineteen eighty-six or eighty-seven. Bought a house. You, you you buy a house. You put it in the bank. You do something with that money. He stuck it in his mattress. <laughs> <laughs> and now he bragged about it. It's worth sixty-five. Yeah, until somebody came in and stole it. Somebody stole his money. But even now, like that's the dumbest thing you can do to put money in your mattress because it's literally losing value day over day. And that, that, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. See, he, he started off with house money. Now you know what he has. He has nice car money. Yeah. He had, <laughs> it, it, he literally got st- it, every penny was stolen when he went out to d- dinner one day. So the the fact is that somebody went stole sixty thousand dollars from the guy, and there and somebody's sixty thousand dollars richer, and he's out sixty thousand dollars. And just like this guy, 
money is traceable. So are those guitars, but it's going to be hard to find. So and the fact of the matter is that you're never going to get that back. He's he might get some of it. Oh, and here's the funny thing that that must have happened so long ago. This is the this is the other thing that that it kind of slides in. You got to watch the interview very carefully. I'm a I'm a careful listener. One of those guys that watches movies and go, ah, "Did you catch that?" Um, and uh, he goes, um, "They they had a line on the person that originally had the stuff that stole mm-hmm. the stuff." Multiple lines. He's, they had multiple leads, but they they yep. thought they had narrowed it down. And he's dead. Mm-hmm. So the stuff is in the wind. Mm-hmm. Well, so, they got they got some of it back. They he, did. They, they did. got they twelve got, or thirteen of the worthless ones back, basically. Yeah. Um, and here's here's what kicks me. Regardless of whether it gets some of them back, all of them back. This this is what's funny. This is what's funny to me. So they go out into the wind. And and what if he set himself? What if he did? What if he's inside of it? It's not. It's not un. Not unheard of. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying there's that kind of guy. I'm, I don't know him any more than I know the person that built this microphone. I'm just saying that that. Uh, what if? What if he's in on it? And this is all. A scheme. I don't think so because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, how would he he's be making? He's not money. making money on this. Um, I'm just saying. Um, apparently, uh, I don't know. He was talking about something happened, and that that uh, when they got it, um, it, it was ruined, and the insurance some uh, some money got paid because he was insured on something else. And I, I don't know it. All right. It's a weird convoluted story. All I know is this. Don't do that. It takes up so much space. Yeah. Why would you have that? It doesn't accumulate value fast enough to pay for the rent. For because the it's cool. That honestly, because it's cool. That's really the reason why, but here's the, um, here's my takeaway. And there's the, here's what yep. I think actually happened. Okay, so I think the uh, I think the storage people were paid off. I think somebody dropped in five hundred bucks, said don't say anything to nobody, and probably yep. threatened them too. If you do talk, yep. we're gonna we're gonna pay you visit. And then they they probably walked in and cut the lock off, walked in, got got ten guitars at a time or eight guitars at a time or whatever. They might have even if they paid off the front desk, they might have pulled a U-Haul into that the place yep. and just loaded up a U-Haul and drove off. Then they fenced as fast as they could to different places all across the country, probably using some sort of online method. And they may have even had couriers that that helped them distribute goods. But realistically, yeah. they could cut people in at 200 bucks, 250 bucks a person and still walk out with thousands of dollars on the back end once the uh, once the deals are made nobody's checking these serial numbers until they come up stolen he says he doesn't have a list but he had serial numbers for most of them which tells me yeah, he did what... he did have a list he just didn't want to tell people he had a list and so also... those guitars are gone yeah, the gone. ones that have been fenced he's never going to see those again like that's that's long gone Ancient history. No way. Um, he no way. he did get a couple of them back. I think he got like twelve or thirteen of them back already. And 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 there therein lies the problem too. I know somebody who got a five thousand dollar base stolen, custom base, and uh, it it got stolen. They found the guy like right away, and it has been sitting. Well, I think he got it back last year. Up until he was sitting in in a lockup for two or three years 
before it yeah. got into guy's hands. And believe me, they're not taking good care of that base. <laughs> no, 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 no. And and so it's like it's just a whole thing. I'm I'm like listening to this this story going on, going, how the hell does he get his guitars back so fast? Or are they yeah. sitting in evidence? It wouldn't matter to the guy because it's secure storage now. Um, yeah, maybe this is a way to cheat a storage world. bill. I don't know. Um, maybe that's the inside job there. Uh, oh god! But but like so the insurance thing. All right, get insurance. Stop. Yeah. If you don't have, even if you, I, I was talking to Mike about this on an unrelated note um, the other day. Mike Mara, show listener. Um, I'm getting insurance. Okay. I put in the quote while I was talking to him, believe it or not. I put in my details and I got to find out what the next steps are. I'll find out on Monday. Um, I put in for the, for the quote. I sort of know because I got a quote before uh, on what it's going to be like ballpark yep. figure and it's peanuts. If this yeah. guy, this guy was paying big money because he had big money. Okay. He yeah, had big money yeah. in vintage guitars. And so if he was to go get musical instrument insurance, he's going to pay. Um, I don't have old stuff. I have new stuff and I could tell you what my value is, but it's probably close to what your value is. Maybe slightly more. Yeah, and the reality more. is and the end of the day, the reality is it's going to be like 15 or 20 bucks a month. It's peanuts. It, y- yeah, you're you're crazy not say, to what, do it. 20 bucks a month. And it covers you outside your house. Like people act like homeowners are going to protect you if you're at a gig. The second you say gig, homeowners are going to be like, <laughs> yeah, because yep. that's a business. Did you get Where paid get for stolen? a gig? That's right. I mean, oh. where did it get stolen? Oh, I got stolen at Easy In. And other yeah, people are like, Easy well, Out. I don't have very much gear, and like it's it's all replaceable. Do you really want to pay, pay uh, you know, if you got that two thousand dollar American Standard Strat sitting in the corner, do you really want to pay two grand for it again? I mean, and and ensure that is probably four dollars a month. I mean, it's it. I listen. I get it when people are like, "Oh, it's like a maintenance agreement. I'm going to pay all this money, and I'm never going to get that money back." That kind of conversation. Fine, fine. There's no cash value to it. You're pissing money away, but you buy sets of strings every month, don't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, and and we, you know, we could go on and on, but. Um, it, it, the fact is that, uh, we're, we're looking at, um, this stuff and, and, uh, it, it's worth a few dollars a month to protect against thievery. I pay, I pay for an alarm system that's covered by ADT. Okay. ADT, everybody has ADT, so I'm not letting anybody in. Uh, and so... ADT monitors my alarms. I have the Chesapeake City Police um, and County Police, and I have um, my own handguns. So, it, the fact is that that you should even even backing away from that last thing, um, you know, I have enough to protect my guitars responsibly it's and your that's house. why yeah and my and my other stuff i mean i have computers and, yeah but at your house that's the point it's like insurance is that right. stopgap well, you no, get hit going to a gig you, you get hit in your car going to a gig and this right, has happened that, to people i know one. you're screwed right. yep and that's why that yeah that's why i carry the other insurance the one you're talking about and i was going to say about 20 dollars because that's i pay i don't know 17 dollars yeah 
And um, you probably actually have more money in gear than I than I do right now. Yeah, probably. I don't know not. what you're. I, I, I don't know what all you're covering. If you're just covering guitars and amps, but like you probably. I only actually, cover the guitars and amps. Yeah. yeah, then you then you probably well, I don't know because I got I got you money have nicer in amps. Pedals. I got money you have in nicer amps. pedals than I do. Well, I don't. Yeah, you do. I am going to cover my pedals, but like. I don't know how that works because if I have to give individual serials for my pedals, I'm gonna have to take everything off the board, and it'll be a whole hey, that'll be a whole project process. And there's some stuff I can't read the freaking serial number. I'd have to you yeah. When to the serial do that, number's handwritten, that's what I was gonna say. To do that, by the way, you can handwrite a serial number. Um, if it doesn't have a serial number because you pour you you took it off with Velcro or whatever, you can handwrite a serial number in there. It's okay to do that. That's yeah. That's a perfectly legitimate way of yeah. Tracking so. It, so. Um, this leads us to the second part. So yep. let's say you have insurance, um, and you have, you have a guitar that is, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to frame it like that. We'll go, this is the, this is, by the way, this is the se- second topic for the show. Right. If this happened to you, i.e. you had guitar stolen from you and there was going to be no way for you to be reimbursed for that, what would you replace with what would you let go? assuming now let now you said assuming you are insured so let's say you right. get an insurance payout and you have to replace yep. your stuff um right. so, so in other words you're at ground zero so my you insur- have the value yep go ahead so my oh, insurance the, the company i'm looking to go with just just for point of reference um they will cover basically the replacement cost even if it's vintage um for that year Okay, so they will get you back to basically what you had before. Um, right. you, you're not required to buy exactly that, but that's what your payout's going to be. Uh, right. So, right. you know, in my boat, I would probably take my money because um, I, I, I suspect I would have around. Well, yeah, okay. So I'd take my money. I'd buy a couple Kiesels. I would probably just order... I'd have to have something to play in the interim. So I'd probably buy something cheap, like an Ibanez um, first. And it would be like an RG, something cheap, right? Like not something yep. expensive. Uh, probably, and I'd look for something with a bigger neck. Um, right. Just to play while I'm waiting. And then I would have Kiesel build me two or three uh, of the guitars, basically, that I already have. Okay. Right. And it's just because, number one, I can get exactly what I want from them. Um and I've had good luck with them before. Uh, we've been going back and forth about that company. I know they were on the, I think they were on the last episode. Um, yeah. And or I, I was talking about them in the last episode. And, and quite frankly, it's just bang for the buck. And then we just go get the same amps I had. In fact, I, I actually would probably take some of the excess money because I'd have money left over. And I would probably just get a Mesa Badlander instead of the Mark V 25. And just to fill more combo i don't even need all the cabinets i mean um the the bad lander would be a uh i'd get a comp i get a cabinet with that but do a head and cab Merle's made his appearance this evening <clears throat> yep now how about your pedals uh pedal wise i would probably so that's going to be a problem so, so and an interesting one because i will yeah. get i will have enough money to get a king of tone they will pay me the replacement value for that, which is five fifty or whatever it is, the going market value. Um, right. So I would probably get very similar pedals. Um, I don't think I would. Delay and reverb would be. What would I get for that? You know, 
and um, I don't really know offhand. I know that I probably wouldn't buy another phaser. I would probably just get a nice Univibe. I would get another yeah. Sunface RCA. They're still making those. And I would get another um, I would get another King of Tone for sure. Um, and probably the RMC Wagon. Um, I might actually try to look for an older one um, just because the, the older ones had a 4DB or a 3DB boost on them. Um, there's not a whole lot. Of, I'd buy a different board. I wouldn't buy the same board yeah, I have. Yeah. And I would probably buy yeah. a different power supply. I'd buy the Pedal Power 3. 3 plus instead of the 2 plus. <clears throat> yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I'm relatively happy with what I have right now. The fact that I'm telling you that I'll probably just rebuy a lot of the same stuff I already have. It's pretty amazing. The ethos, if that goes, I don't think I'd replace it. I'd probably put the money into something else because, uh, it's got sentimental attachment to me. So it's like, if that goes, why bother replace it? Um, there's a couple other pedals up there that are pretty irreplaceable. Uh, that orange one is a, this, I'm terrible with mirroring. This is a Barber oh, yeah. Trifecta. They don't make that anymore. You can find nope. them used every once in a while. Um, would, would probably seek out another one of those. That's my, that's the best big muff I've ever played. And then, uh, I got a pair of Pelotars. I got a special one-off, um, that you can't see. It's just on a frame. Um, that's a black edition, which he only did one time. Uh, and he did it for me. So I don't know that I would. Uh, I would probably just hit up Leon from Pelican Noiseworks and be like, "Hey man, hey man, I heard you. I heard you got them black pelotars. I heard you could make me one." Um, got, and then tell him my story. Yeah, I need. Yeah, I need one. Um, not to be insensitive to people who have addiction problems, but um, <laughs> I would probably get another well, you one. No, we're we're doing the comedy thing that was that was done by a comedian. We are not yeah. being insensitive. Yeah, uh, I don't. Um, I don't really have anything that's irreplaceable other than that maybe like the stuff I'm sentimentally attached to and the King of Tone. Yeah. Because you, you just can't... Like, who can justify buying a $320 pedal for $650 or whatever they're going for now? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, so, yeah. I So there's a couple of things that are that are irreplaceable as far as sentimental value to me. So I, I'll talk about that stuff first. So if everything was gone, <clears throat> the first thing is that um, big muff that I have, it's right down here. I could not replace that. That was a gift you gave me for Christmas a couple years ago. I couldn't replace that. That is not, I'm not keeping that because it's a, it's a big muff. I'm keeping it because it was a gift and because it means something very special to me. Um, the On the same token... I would not get rid of my Pelican Noiseworks 5050. That's something you sold to me, and we made a gentleman's agreement. I was just going to give a gentleman's agreement on that. <laughs> That's right. You sold it to me at a, at a value that you paid, um, and if I ever decided I didn't want it, it would go to you for I'd exactly buy it back what at the same value. <laughs> That's right. So that is not really my pedal to give or to sell or to, to trade off. So, so that is... That is your pedal as much as it is mine. So again, I could not get rid of that pedal. Um, matter of fact, it's going back on my board. Um, 
I'm going to talk a little bit about that because I, I think that's important, the changes to the board that I've got coming up. Because I bought a muffaletta, as you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we can do that at the end because we can just yeah. put a recap segment at the end where we talk about stuff that's going on. And I have some yeah. things I want to announce. So, Yeah, yeah. So um, my board, as far as my pedals go, nothing on there. Nothing on my board is irreplaceable. Nothing. I got a Tumnus and a Rat's Bay and all that stuff. None of that stuff is, is irreplaceable. It, it's all... I don't even know if I would buy it all. I don't know if I would go and get a Keeley Dark Side again. I have mine. I'm not going to sell it because I don't want to lose money on it. But I don't know if I'd buy another one. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of weird holding on to it. And we'll talk about that at the end. I would not buy two Les Paul Standards. Both of these I have because that's a one-off. That's a that's a unicorn. And um, that is a one-off. I mean, to me, it's a one-off. That's my baby. That's my number one. So I can't get rid of those. They're, they're my babies. That they're staying. Um, I have no emotional attachment to the other guitars. Emotionally, so I may not buy another SG. I, I love my SG, and I'm keeping my SG. There's no way I would get my money back out of my SG. And I'm not going to get rid of it because it's a, it's a great guitar. It's a fun guitar. Um, the double cut? Nah, I probably wouldn't buy it again. Um, I can be honest with you. I, you know, I can I, take hey, it or leave it. I, I, well, I told I you, like, that's just not, you know, it's not a Les Paul. Yeah. It's like its own thing. I think if, yeah, I think when I go to get a, um, uh, when I go to get a, uh, telly, finally get a telly that I really like. That might be the I'll guitar that gets, yeah. The DC would probably go. Um, the 335, I don't know if I'd buy another one. I, I love it, but it's not my number one. Um, but I do know this, that one's not going anywhere because it's one of those things where I look at it and I go, eh, I don't play it as much as I do the other guitars, but I got to be honest, that's one of those guitars that people who are Gibson guys like myself, they sort of covet. Yeah. That's one of the, that's your, oh, guitar. And so that's not going anywhere. The bass, I'd probably buy the exact same bass. I love that bass. It's not great. It's not bad. It's just a bass. Um, and uh, I'm putting a drop D tuner in it, in black chrome. So that's that would probably just get bought straight up again, same same exact base. So um, again, just like you, I don't have a you know. <laughs> well, Jim, you I don't so have you've anything. Gone on I... You've gone on a journey on this show. Like Jim has gone through four or five complete rigs in the three or four years we've been doing this show. And Easy. you can go back to the, you know, through the 200 episodes and you can see the variations of what was going on there. And it's like, I think you've sort of reached a level of maturity with the gear that you have right now where, yeah, some things are going to come and go. Um, but the reality is like, you know what you like now. You don't have to really um, go through these big tirades of exploring things and um you don't let people like me talk you into stuff that you don't like. And I try not to anyway. Um, yeah. So for what it's worth. Yeah. And as far as my amps go, I love my Marshall. I gotta be honest with you. If I had, if I had all the amps gone, I'd probably go get um, like a JCM and uh, a two by 12 and be done with that. Um, yeah. Cause it would be a step a up, but it's like, it's not really that different from what you have right now. Really? No, and that's why I'm not going to run out. And again, the only amp I'm even thinking about 
going that I've thought about going out with is the twin. We've talked about that before. And that's going to be when I go to get my California tweet or my, uh, my California, I'm getting a Mesa. So I'm going to get a boogie. So the, the, the boogie will replace the twin. Um, and that will be either Fillmore or the California. Oh, you, um, you watch my clip, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, your, your clip, there's several Fillmore clips. The Fillmore, for those who don't know, is a relatively, relatively new uh, addition to That's Mesa. a wild it's, amp. Um, it actually came out right before the California did. Yeah. About six months before. Um, so those are two those are two amps that are very high on my list as far as uh, <laughs> desirable. Um, there is a there is a Doctor Z Maz eighteen available locally that's within my grasp. The Maz is okay uh, if it's a Mark II. I, if it's unless it's a Mark II, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check into that. Um, it's a it's relatively new. Then it's probably it. a Mark. It's probably the new one. Yeah, they've been doing those about five um, years now. I think. Yeah, yeah. This one looks. Um, I, I'd have to ask the guy, but I'm pretty sure that this one is like only a couple years old. So um, he got it, and it wasn't everything he was hoping it would be. So, yeah. um, but anyway, that that's where I am. And like you said, I, I have matured into a place where buying another guitar is not. I, isn't that terrible? I, I just. I mean. <laughs> I'll look at, I'll watch I some of these channels and it'll be like, oh, I've, I've got this, this, and they have rows of guitars. I've talked about this before and it's like. The would, gear community is obsessed with crap. They want to yeah. get, I, and and yes, I know that your our listeners, many of them are part of the gear community, but I'm here to tell you, you guys have this obsession with the next thing. Like, it's always right. the next thing. After I do this, then I get this. And I know because I'm one of you. I've had those moments. And I have, I have fortunately surrounded myself with people who are willing to tell me, hey, you're being an idiot. Um, and That's why I call you. <laughs> well, you know what, though? I fall, I fall into the trap, too. And I'm dealing with, like, a logical issue right now. So, for our listeners, um, I, I'm... I would say it's probably 75% likely right now that I'm going to get a, get another Kiesel uh, before the end of the month. And um, so I don't want to. I don't want to spend another 2000 bucks. I don't want to have another number one hanging on the wall. Um, I don't right. want to go through. And, and there's a reason for it because I've already got expensive guitars. I've already got basically what I need, but there are a few things that I missed on that guitar so it's not going anywhere i have sentimental attachment to that guitar and i will still take it out and i will still play it some days i will play the other one i might round robin it or something because i really do like i do like like the idea of having a guitar that's lighter like way lighter i weighed my guitar today it's 8.6 pounds um which is for a strat is pretty damn heavy um and then i play with a one pound strap on it so, you know, it's nine, 9.6. If you play an hour and a half or two hour set, it's heavy. You know, I did, uh, I did an Instagram, not Instagram. I did a Twitch, uh, stream yesterday where I played for two hours and 20 minutes, uh, or two hours and 30 minutes. Um, after standing all day, cleaning up, cleaning the house as well, um, on hardwood floors and did a two hour set. 
and like I hurt. I still hurt today. I fell asleep in the oh, chair yeah. and I woke up. My leg hurt so bad. I didn't even know if we were going to do the podcast tonight. Um, yeah, I had pain today. Oh, I got to be honest with you. I'd have worked my lighting here and it's not doing a very good job. You should have just left it alone. It was fine. Nice I know. It's not being very nice to me today. We work really hard to actually get the lighting and stuff right. Um, my forehead, I, my forehead is not working. Well. I have an insanely like my camera just takes care of all of it now for me. I do have three lights on here, but it's the camera does everything. I don't have to touch anything anymore. I just turn that thing on, um, which is nice. But uh, Jim is still kind of fighting lighting setup and I'm everything. When I come down there, when I come down there, I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna show you some shit. Yeah. I'm gonna show you some so shit. Some shit. Oh, sorry. One of the one of the um, that's all right. So one of the um, things that you're you're talking about there, you know, with the, with the um, the weight and stuff, you know, I, my back was ex in excruciating pain, um, but it wasn't from the guitars, and that's what's that's what's weird. I have a tendency to stand weirdly, strangely. Oh, I when do I too. Play guitar. I do too. I put all my weight on my. Uh, right foot instead of my left foot. Yeah, that's, because I use my I, left you, foot for my pedals to turn things on and off. And I'm exact opposite. I do the same thing opposite. So but I put everything on my left foot. If you <laughs> plant your feet so that there's even weight, you won't have any of these problems. But right. because I'm tap dancing during certain songs, like I can't. Um, and right. you know, of course, you're moving around and stuff too, which is that's not typical. When you when yep. you practice, you don't do that as much. Um, but anyway, so to get back to the point, it's like I'm looking at I'm looking at doing something, and I'm taking a really hard long look at like whether I even want to do it because it costs me money. It costs me money, right. and I don't need to do it. I have guitars that I can just rip with, so why do I care? Because I'm still chasing a couple of things, like you know the. Stainless steel frets, which, by the way, I I think will cost me around five hundred bucks to have them done on the GNL. So at that point, it's like, do I want to do them on an existing guitar? Or would I rather wear them out and do it then? Right. Um, and then of course the weight thing and travel is another issue for me because one of my goals now that my that I have travel benefits is to go to places like Nashville and play open mics occasionally and that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so it would be nice to have another Kiesel headless laying around, one that's not a seven string. Yeah. By the yep. way, my seven and string, it, we weighed it today too, and it was 7.4 pounds. So your strat weighs, what did you say, 8.6? 8.6. That's, that's, I mean, my ultra weighs right in that range, 8 point something, um, towards 8.5 pounds. I can be honest with you. So of all my guitars, <clears throat> excuse me, all my guitars, the heaviest one is the double cut, which is weird. It's, and it's really not that heavy. Um, my my two last Pauls, one is weight relieved, one isn't. And uh, the one that isn't is actually light, um, as as light as the one that is, which is just strange. Uh, but I got to be, you know, I think the 335 actually, I, you know, I don't know if I've weighed that. I, that might be my heaviest guitar, to be completely honest, my 335. Well, but it's also... Compared Compared to what else um, my local store store carries, it's on the heavy side. Now, granted, your typical Fender Stratocaster made out of, you know, basically uh, waterlogged wood, 
is is around there they range between seven and eight and a half pounds eight and a half is yep. on the high end um yeah. so they list the average weight as 8.5 but it's not 8.5 they basically say the range is between seven to eight point five um which means that my guitar is on the heavy side <laughs> which yeah um now you have you're playing Les Pauls, and Les Pauls can be over nine to twelve pounds. I know. So but both my Les Pauls are less than nine pounds, and uh, that's pretty cool. We're we're talking like eight point. We're talking eight pounds nine, eight pounds ten, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So they're not um, eight eight and a half is eight point is eight pounds eight. So we're talking a couple of ounces off of eight and a half pounds, um, and my Strat is you know from in what that I, ballpark from what i hear you can feel the difference in ounces from guitar to guitar yeah. uh oh, and, sure. and i can tell you from like picking stuff off the rack you can tell i just don't know what oh, the yeah. difference is but like you can say well these are very close and then you pick two others and you're like holy crap and you weigh them and they'll probably be like three ounces different you know oh yeah um, I, matter of fact i was doing that guitar center the other day because i was looking at a couple of guitars and i was i was holding them up and i was like that's weird. And then I, I picked you up because they have a double. You swap them. That's, you know. Yeah. And I had a, they had a double neck SG, uh, the, the Epiphone That 175, SG. the yes. Yeah. And I, I had that in my hand and I had a, um, Epiphone Les Paul in my hand. I go, and I, and I asked somebody else, I said, what do you think? And they held it and they said, they're about the same. I said, geez, that's amazing that they can get a double necked SG Almost the same weight. Unless, unless that Les Paul is a boat anchor. <laughs> I know. That's what I was like, like one of those 11, 12 pound Les Pauls. The, 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 two, the, the heaviest guitar, there's two guitars that stick out in my mind. The two heaviest guitars we've ever picked up. Uh, one was the Jim Root um, Jazzmaster, which was at like 12 and a half pounds or something. It was oh ridiculous. God. That guitar felt like putting weight weights around your neck. It was just stupid. Uh, I couldn't believe that they were actually selling that at, at like that. That was at Chicago Music Exchange. Um, and wow. then the uh, second heaviest was also at Chicago Music Exchange, and that was a uh, CF Martin electric. And those guys were oh, yeah. those guys were oak or something. There were some stupid, like, ultra-heavy wood. Um, but yeah, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to expand on that too much. But going back to um, the thing, like what we keep, like we're just in a unique position right now because I think through the show and I think through some other things, we've just kind of arrived at like, well, basically this is what we need. I'm not going right. to pretend. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and pretend to be a guitar gear podcast and tell you that you always need to be upgrading. You always need to be looking for new things and like there's always another guitar out there and there's always you know plenty of fish under the sea and all that crap. Listen. Find what you like. Find what you can get away with. If you're not playing that much different stuff, you probably don't need that much different stuff. Um, right. And be happy. Like, you don't have to have everything. You don't. You can end up I, like I the think... guy that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast and have everything in a storage locker and get it all stolen and not even know what you had. Well, there's more and more people, I think, so, in... I know that this isn't the the overarching everybody thing, but I think that a while ago, one learned to play guitar and you got really good on a guitar. Right. A guitar. Right. And 
you were a telly player, you were a strat player, you were this player, you were that player. And if you talk to some of the pros, um, whether it's David Gilmore or A lot of people uh, get Clapton, identified we, with very specific instruments, yeah. Right. Not, and, and not only did they identify with a specific instrument, a lot of them started off with one instrument. That's the one they carried to every every session. Look at Jimmy mm-hmm. Page, every every gig. Look at David Gilmore, who started on the telly and went to a, a Strat. Um, and uh, um, Clapton, he didn't go to the Strat first. He was a Gibson guy first. Yeah, but he had, so, one, he had a bunch of them. It wasn't just one. Right, <laughs> right. Um, Hendrix... Uh, played a, a lot of different types of guitars, and and was known for that. But he started with that, you know, the the guitar that he had in the beginning, which was a right a righty that he played upside down. It's Dan Electro. Yeah, and so if you look at it all, um, we're we're in a we're in a different world, and I'm not trying to say it's a better world or a worse world, but we're in a better or a different world in that back then. Because a lot of these guys, a lot of these people that I'm mentioning started off poor. I mean, they were dirt poor. I think Gilmore, his family had a little money. Um, but for the most part, we're talking about people who They're barely teenagers. Could afford, Even if the family right. has money, doesn't mean they have money. Right, right. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Even Gilmore was like, you know, his parents bought him his one guitar or, um, you know, so on and so forth. But the point is, so now we're at a point where... A kid, for the price of a PlayStation, you can get two guitars. Yeah. Right? A PlayStation and a couple games, two guitars. Yeah, if you go so, on Amazon, you can get three or four. Yeah, yeah. Firefly and whatever. So as we as we reach this tipping point, now there's this there's this um there's also this this barrier of entry because it's been dropped so low. Um the other thing that has happened is we never had, uh, um, <laughs> and I know you didn't either, YouTube. So uh, there wasn't anybody telling me these are the guitars you need. I mean, how many times have we heard people say, you need a Les Paul, you need a Strat, you need a Tele, you need a Les Paul, you need a Strat, <laughs> we you need it a Tele. on this show. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean. And the truth of the matter is you don't need all three of those guitars. No, I, I, got, I got Strats. <laughs> Yeah, you got <laughs> My strats. next guitar is going to be a Strat, too. I'm pretty much a Les Paul guy. I mean, it, uh, the truth of the matter is I'm a Les Paul guy, and it's as boring as that sounds, that's what I am. And, but but um, the truth is, and I love my Strats right there, um, the the truth is that, that now, think about this. So you can go in, and you don't, you don't need to even know how to play six chords, and you might own a dozen guitars. How many times have you been in um, a community where um, uh, somebody says, "I, you know, I had, I, I never bought a guitar, um, but you know, I'm 35 years old, and I'm buying this. I'm buying the Anaconda Burst slash Les Paul, and." And then a Black Star 10 watt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, you need counseling. Um, but anyway, no, but but I'm gonna start selling gear counseling services, yeah. which is probably the worst. That like the the person who needs the most counseling is gonna sell counseling services. Um, 
Same here. Um, Sorry. But, but we've yeah. been through it. You know? Well, we, we've all been through it. And, I hope. And what I'm trying to get at here is that when you get to this point, right, where we're we're moving into this tipping of direction of, of gear, I think uh, there's this one hair and it just keeps going to my eyeballs. Um, there's this this point where new people, I don't want to use the word noob, that's more of a video game thing, folks new to the guitar are buying all these guitars. This is the problem I have. I don't know if you, you, you probably don't have this problem. I turn around and I look at this wall. You notice there's a lot of guitars that are not hanging. My SG is not hanging. My double cut's not hanging. Yeah, because they're in cases. They're in cases. That, that's because one goes to to practice, rehearsal, right. and, one, uh, and, and uh, um, most of my open mics. And the other one goes to um, – and it, it'll be one or the other. And then one goes to uh, um, uh, my, um, my lessons. So I don't – why take them out of the case – why, why break them out here? It's not like I gotta play them here, right? But but here's what I'm getting at. The more options I have, the more paralyzed I become in my choice. And it's just grab a freaking Les Paul and play. You know, that that's what I do. You grab a strat and you play. I mean you really either go strat or seven string. That's really your kind yeah, of Yeah, I do have I mean I do definitely right? have like when I sit down to play, it just basically what I'm going to do is pretty defining uh, or what's hanging in this room right here. Um, so I have a pair of guitar hangers that are over to this side of me um, that are yep. on the wall. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, did, I, can under, I can relate to the paralyzation of choices. It isn't about the paralyzing choices here. It's about having a lot of money wrapped up in something that isn't all that different than something else. Um, well, for me, well, anyway. Right. Well, ask yourself this question. Let's say you were new to the guitar. So what's your decision, um, what's your decision based on when you say, you know what, I'm going to play a Telecaster for song A or I'm going to play. Oh, I don't grab, uh, I don't grab different styles of guitars that way. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's just because, like, I, I play what I play, and I've been playing so long that, that for me, like, even though I do like Telecasters, I do like other guitars, I don't sit there and I don't go, man, this track really needs X or Y. I just said this track is what I'm going to play, and this is how I want it to sound. And if I and if the, the other guitar choice fits that sound, that's one thing, but rarely is it, like, that kind of choice. It's more of, like, what amps and pedals am I going to use? Um, than than what the guitar is. So, yeah, and that's what I'm trying to say is. So you're new to the guitar. Put yourself all the way back, you know, ten, fifteen years for yourself or whatever it was, um, and uh, go or twenty years. Go back that far and go. Oh wow, I'm picking up a guitar. I have seven or eight guitars. And, and I've had new as many as, as ten at one point. I think. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you're, it's day two or day twenty. Yeah. Guitar. Oh yeah. You still that have would be how to... It'd be horrible. I. I mean, it I always be... had a number one. There was always one that I was playing most, and then the other one sat on the stand. You know. Yeah. Um. And that. And that's how I got through all that time period. Was like focusing on playing one specific instrument, and not really worrying about it as much. But um. 
yeah, if I hadn't had that, if I hadn't had that mentality, I probably would, would be paralyzed by choice a lot more than I was. Um, yeah. I will say I this. I can remember yeah, playing like two years in. I had two guitars. I had a Samick and an Ibanez. Yep. And I can remember playing like with drummer and bass player the first time and being like, now this guitar isn't working and grabbing the other one and being like, this one works a lot better for this. So yep. for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Now, not being a recording guy, being a, being a um, guy that mostly gigs, um, I, I pick a guitar based on, all right, it's going to have to be, I got to play it all night. Right. And cause I don't want to switch guitars a lot. So what'll happen is I, and I used to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got to bring a strat and I got to bring a telly yeah, and I got to no. bring a Les Paul. And Can't you know what it. wound up actually happening in the gig? You know what actually happens? You just play one. Yeah. You don't even grab learned, the other ones. Nope. So I learned to put a strat in a bag and another strat, another bag, and that one strat would sit in the bag all night long, while the other strat was my number one for years. That's how it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for um, uh, or I'd bring a strat to Telly because um, I was in a lot of country bands and a lot right. of pop bands like that. Uh, and when I was in rock bands, it was a Les Paul, and that was it. And I'd bring a Les Paul and strings. If I broke a string, I'd get through the song. I'd change the string out and then get back to the next song. Um, and when I was the bass player, I threw a bass in the bag and I went, um, even though I had four or five basses, one bass would go with me. And so I think what happens is we all start to go, unless our names are Alex Lifeson. Or, yeah, or you're in a situation that demands, like, I need a seven string for this song. I need a baritone for this song. I need, you know, this specific thing. I need a guitar and an altered tuning. Like, you basically should have a separate guitar for every tuning you use. That's basically um, how it should work. Even live. Even live. And Petrucci is that way. I mean, you, you know, you watch Petrucci. And here's a guy who plays a bazillion different things. Um and he sticks to a guitar unless he's got to go to a different tuning or he's got to go to, you know. And you know what's funny? All those guitars are pretty much the same guitar. Yeah, they're, they're just all, tuned yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah, he has some very specific preferences too. All right, I want to, um, we're, we're, we're at an hour, but I want to go ahead and I want to do one more topic. Yep. Um, I want to talk about what I saw today. Um, I saw a shootout. I'm not going to give details about who did it where it was done uh i'm going to talk about the shootout i'm going to talk about some things that were said to me about realizations from the shootout so um i had the privilege today i walked in uh to this place where i was told this was going to happen and there was a boss bf3 flanger okay the boss was it the the uh MD 200, which is like okay. the little, yeah. little big box, um, multi-effect from boss. And yeah. then there was a boss MD two. No, not MD two. The, uh, the, the, uh, FL two. Yep. Eighties yep. vintage from Japan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. 
like the nice. original okay. flanger, which are actually surprisingly inexpensive. Um, yeah, yeah. On the used market, for even for the Japanese ones, uh, you can get them sub two hundred all day long. Um, really? Yeah, and I'm like very seriously considering buying one, just because they're long. cheap. Just because they're <laughs> cheap, right? Um, and then uh, there was a boutique pedal, which I won't. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to say who they were because I don't want anybody to have hurt feelings. But it was a boutique flanger that said person was going to buy boutique flanger decided to shoot out the other three. Okay. So here was, here's what happened. I walked in and they were already using the MD 200 and I went, that sounds like trash because it was a lot of high end and like it did the jet plane flangery thing, but it was like, gosh, it sounds like a tin can. And then we tried the boss the the bd3 which is their or the the f was it fl3 the current flanger and it was okay lots of jet engine sound wasn't coarsey or anything very much a flanger and then we played um we played that back and forth against the unnamed boutique flanger which was very coarsey i actually preferred the sound of the boutique flanger but there was a problem it was a significant volume drop in this pedal. Oh, yeah. Whenever you'd kick it on, the volume would drop about 2 dB. And if you're running in the effects loop, that's awful. Okay. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. Now, my takeaway from this is um, they figured you were going to be running it into either an adjustable effects loop with like a volume control on it, or you were going to put it in front of the amp. That's my takeaway. I think they figured you would be running this into a compressed amp, and so when you click it on, it would it's not going to make that. It would not have as big an issue, right? Um, yeah. So I think that's I think that was the rub on this. But um, I preferred the sound quality and what that thing did because it was it had a little bit of chorus to it, and it yeah. was like a little a lot more rich and dynamic, very very three D sounding chorus. The other choruses were meat and potatoes choruses. And here's my here was my like weird takeaway, right? So the, apparently the current purple compact box flanger from Boss is supposed to be the same as the MD200. They are in no way, they don't sound the same. I don't know whether it's the fact that it's emulated. I don't know whether it's the fact that the AD converters are different. Um, one was very metallic sounding. The MD200 was metallic sounding. It did not sound as good and lush as the Boss one did. But here's the real kicker. So the Japanese one, you'd think legendary pedal, flip it on, sounded great. Um, we tweaked the current purple box from Boss. You got it right there. We got them real close. <laughs> and actually, the current one sounds better, and it's digital. Um, That's funny. Which is wild because the, because the Japanese one is analog, right? But um, they, so... They added more depth to the current one. The The depth is, and there's some additional functions on it. Um, but you can dial in very, very approximate tones to the Japanese equivalent, which is why the values on those are so low. People who've got them know that's that's got to be it. The Actually, yeah, the other thing is uh, in the stock settings, just like using the same settings between two pedals, what we found was um, that the boss one has like way more mid-range or the, the current boss one because like, 
it it just sat it would have sat in the band mix way better than the yeah. old one did. But it was yeah, interesting. I can believe that. It was an interesting yeah. shootout. So, so here's the here's the takeaway I actually wanted to talk about. So if you want to buy a vintage pedal, that's a great one to buy. It's under 200 bucks. It's boss. It's Japanese. It's, you know, if you need a flanger, that it'll do the job. Um, but the person who we were, who was doing the shootout, I, I don't think they've determined what they're doing yet, but they looked at me and they said, I just don't get these boutique pedals anymore. I don't get the boutique hype. I don't get yep. like, there's just so many good boxes that are available from major manufacturers that are cheaper why are people buying boutique pedals? Yeah. And I just wanted to speak about that for a minute. So we're in an hour and seven, but I'm going to, I'm going to give five minutes on this. I'll give you five minutes, Jim, and then we'll, we'll close out the episode. So I, I didn't answer said person. I thought about it and I was like, well, I'm going to answer on the show. Okay. So here's my answer. The reason that people buy boutique pedals is because they want to be part of an exclusive community of people that are enjoying that that last 1% difference or 2% difference that most pedals share. So I played, I think we have all can relate to this. Everybody's played a Tube Screamer that's just like a regular Tube Screamer in the, in the boutique world. And there's a lot of that stuff. And they're not exactly identical, but it's so close that it's like, unless you're A-Bing them, no one is ever going to know the difference. Um, yep. And then there's clones of clones in the boutique community. So like, there's the sparkle drive mod and then there's, you know, somebody else's variation of the sparkle drive mod, which is basically the same pedal. Um, yep. There are OCDs of OCDs and that is actually a thing. Electro harmonics makes a clone of the OCD. I won't say what it is, but you can go look and I'm sure you can find it. Um, and there are a bunch of pedals on the market like that. So it's like, well, why would you want to spend your hard earned money on a boutique company that's charging you roughly twice the amount of money for their pedal when you could go to a mass market company like boss and get stuff with similar sound quality, if not better sound quality than the things that the boutique people were going after. Cause the boutique guys are all after the Japanese boss. They're all after the old vintage stuff that the max on OD 88 or max on designed OD 808, which is a TS 808. Um, they're into that, that world. Like they're clued in a lot of those designs uh, I mean, look at look at Analog Man. He's basically made a career out of out of building clones of esoteric pedals that no one will build the way they used to, um, and that's exactly why I I look at this argument and I go, it's just part of being an exclusive club. Like somebody I know bought um, bought a pedal from a company, and I won't say who it was, and I won't say what the pedal was. But they basically told me it's a clone of another pedal. And it was not like, I don't think they were necessarily upset with that. But it was like, huh, I probably could have gotten the other pedal. You know, and I'm like, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, you probably could have. And then you wouldn't have to buy it from, you know, whatever jackass you bought it from. Because in this case, uh, I know where they bought it from. And I don't like the guy, so I'll call him a jackass. Um, he doesn't care what I think. So that's fine. Uh, in fact, I got into an altercation with him on YouTube on YouTube the other day, which was kind of funny. Um because because I, I caught him chilling something um but um so um wh my concern is that people get into this trap when they're buying these boutique pedals that they this is way better than x or y and it's like unless you know that for sure you're just buying like a fancier version 
of what you've already got. Like I, I honestly now when I buy pedals, I look for the cheap stuff. I don't. I look for the cheap. Like, hey, this is this is reportedly well made, cheap pedal. So up there, um, the white pedal right here, that is a a uh, JHS three series distortion. That's a rat. Yeah. That's yeah. a rat. Yeah. That's all it is. It was just a rat. Say, you just got a rat, right? Yeah. Right. No, I could have gotten the TC Electronic Magus or whatever the the new one that. Yep. Um. And I actually thought about waiting for it to come out. It wasn't out when I got that. But I actually yeah. thought about waiting and trying it out. Um, but I was like, you know what? I know that's well made. It's only 99 bucks. This is a cheap you know rat. Funny? And it's better than the one that Proco puts out. You know what's funny? So they did a shootout. Uh, Anderton's did a shootout with the rats. And the Magus was one of the top rats. To be honest with you, and, and they said the same thing, and I heard the same thing. They said that the difference in the rats, and we're talking to Wampler's Rat Bane, we're talking um, some super expensive stuff. Wampler sits in the middle, and some really inexpensive stuff. And guess what? Every one of them, the difference was so microscopic. Well, that and yeah, and that's mostly true. Um, there are some variations to that. So, like, the vintage rats, the rat two, like the original ones with the LM three hundred eight, um, they actually sound like shit to me. Uh, I've heard them played against things like the Walrus Iron Horse and that thing, yep. and some other pedals. That's There's the some shootouts you can look them up on YouTube. There's a guy that like knows all about rats, and he's got a couple of them, and he plays you know these shootouts. And what you'll find out is that the original rat sounds a little broken. Whereas yeah. the more modern ones seem to be more of a better take on a distortion pedal than the yeah. original rats were. And it's just, it probably is just component drift in the one that he has. But like, that's yeah. where I think that that's some of the magic, right? Is that component drift? Some people like that. Yeah. 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 And and that's something that you can't, you can't control. No, okay? no, we not at all. Not at all. Well, and so, I mean, you could argue that that part selection originally probably played a part in that. Like they maybe they weren't testing the parts; they were just taking them out of the bin and building them. Yep. Um, so that that may be a thing, but like the question is: so like, do you really think that that Proco wanted the pedal to sound like that? Probably not. They probably, probably not. would have liked it to sound like this or the Magus or you know. But so mm -hmm. that's you know you got to kind of you got to kind of figure it out. Every pedal is different, and that and that is something I want to point out. So, like, even if you are, if you are chasing that five percent or that ten percent difference or that one percent difference, yeah, by all means, definitely go look at your boutique options. But just remember that going from uh, a Magus, which I think is a sixty dollar rat, to this, which is a hundred dollar rat, to something yep. like uh, the Big Ear NYC, which I think is one hundred and seventy nine or two hundred dollar rat, uh, yep. the Woodcutter. Um, yep. You know, is, they use that one too. <laughs> or going to the nineteen eighty four devices yep. drive, which is allegedly a rat clone with some other things going on in it, um, yep. is huge in price. That's four hundred bucks, I think. So yeah, when you yeah. just like go back and you do that, remember this is what you're paying for your extra step. And believe me, I looked at all of those products when I bought mine. But the point is, like, boutique doesn't necessarily mean better. It just right. means more expensive and made in a smaller place. And that we have this stigma that that's cool. So it's not a stigma, but it's just that's that's cooler, right? Um, to know that the guy that built my, you know, Pelotar's name is Leon. And he only did that pedal once. And he did it because he dropped his laptop down, down a flight of stairs that night and he was mad. 
and like wanted to make really? sure I had a better day. So he made me a cool pedal well, and sent it to me. That is awesome. That's like, uh, you know, that's like a story that goes along with it. And there's definitely something to be said about that if you're into right. that sort of thing. But if you're just looking for like, like, let's say you're, let's say you're between gigs and you're like, God damn it. My flanger broke. I need another one. Just go buy a boss BF3. You don't have to yeah. buy any yeah, fancy boutique thing. Just get what you need to get you through the gig and be, the and be happy boss. with it. Yeah. Anyway, Jim. Yeah, just buy the BF3. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, You've owned boutique stuff. Like, I mean, well, you're you're on the more, yeah. like, mainstream level of the boutique stuff. But, yeah. Right. But, so, um, I, I did the same thing. I, I bought the Tumnus based on, you know, everything that I'd seen. Um, and a lot of shootouts with, you know, with the, with the um, actual thing. But the... Um, but here's here's what I want to say. It's it, it comes down to you, in, in the individual, you being the individual, and I am not, I am not an individual who will become obsessed with chasing tone that is um, based on something that only came out once in 1985 or whatever. I'm just making something up. Um, and there's only six of them. And they're nine hundred dollars a piece, and I better buy all six because. And there are musicians who do this, okay. And we know them, okay. So, <laughs> the um, I I think that the reason people do this goes right back to what we started this whole episode with. They have to have it. Just have to have it. I mean, I've been I guilty of it. It's my trophy. There's my trophy. I've been you know guilty I mean? of it. I'm first to admit I got I got a Sunface man. Um, now Jim, yeah. when I bought my Sunface, do you remember how excited I was? Um, yeah, I got I that do. pedal. I had looked at Sunfaces online. I had reread that page about those pedals probably a thousand times before I bought it. For years, I lusted after that. That was the Fuzzface, and I yep. and I'm willing to admit, like I'm sure some of my um, love for that pedal is based around the fact that um, I lusted after it for so long. But at the same token, I mean, it is one of the cream of the crop. I'm mean, people, every time somebody sees it on my board, they go, Oh, you got one of those. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, you can buy one, you know? Um, and it took me how many years before I, I bought several boutique fuzz faces before I bought that. I took me years to finally admit to myself, you know what? Just get that one. Just stop worrying about it. Stop buying these cheaper ones, buying them used or whatever. It's really what you want. You're not going to stop until you have it anyway. And that's right. that thing, right? I want it. I want it real bad. And I kept going for it until I finally just said, you know what? I'm going to get it. That's right. And a lot of, you know, it's funny because, we, and we've talked about this before, a lot of people have this assumption that, oh, it's an analog man, so it's super expensive. Not really. Not that's necessarily. Someplace. Not in the grand scheme what of other you, boutique pedals. No, I mean. no, not in the grand. That's what I'm saying. I just bought the Muffaletta. Let's let's talk about that since we have. I Was that 179 uh, It's 229 Okay. I didn't pay that much, but 229 So, um, the... And there's a there was another one next to it, two seventy nine, and I shot them out, and I was like, mm, I like them off a lot better. Was that, what was the more expensive one, EQD? Oh, uh, I can't 
can't remember now. It might have been. It was two hundred seventy nine dollars. So um, this was at Guitar Center. Um, but the 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 point is not that that the Muffaletta is better because and it's cheaper. So you should you know that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that uh, it didn't um, make a difference they, for you. Right, right. And the bigger thing, and and you've you and I've talked about this before. When it comes to um, to the to the to the pedals, sometimes they're built better for humbuckers or built better for single coils. Yeah, and it's not necessarily, you know, always. It handles easy. the input impedance differently, and is looking for a different load coming in, and it may load your pickups differently depending. And I mean, there's supposed to be like a universal value that everybody should use basically to make the, in, the input of your pedal look like an amp, um, like one meg. I think it's one meg or something like that. But come on, they, they can't do that in stuff like fuzzes because that's not that's part of that sound is the treble roll off that occurs based on the impedance mismatch. Right. So and so it's high. Um, I'm looking to see which pedal it was. And I. It was the Jackson Audio Fuzz Modulator. That's a serious pedal. Jackson Audio is a serious company. Very nice pedal, by the way. And some very, very high prices for Jackson Audio products. They make some good stuff, though. Yes, they do. The the Golden Boy is another one I looked at. Yeah, that's the one I figured, like, you would try that out and be like, holy crap. Yeah, I was afraid to try that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Did you? Yeah, go ahead. Did you though? No. <laughs> oh, you looked I at the. Oh, you looked at the modular fuzz. Yep. Okay, so you know the yep. whole you know the whole deal with that, right? No. Is you buy modules to put in that thing, so it can oh. do other fuzz sounds in the same box. Oh, I didn't know that. Which that would explain why the impedance situation with humbuckers would be different because it may have had a module in there that did not fit you, yep. like a fuzz face module. Which I think exactly. is when they come with stock. I um, believe so. I forgot about that pedal. I I saw it a while back. So just to just to run down, so they so they're known for the Golden Boy. Like that's a real popular pedal they do. Yes, um, it is. And I looked at that very hard. <laughs> well, they do the uh, they do the Asabi, uh, 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 which is the overdrive distortion for Mateo Sasato as well. Yep. So anyway, all right. I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been Practical Guitarists.